This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Here we go. Money conversations in early stages of relationships are difficult. I compromise all the time. We face harder choices. We got the house. No, my mother said, when you get older, I wish you'd hurry and get older so that you would settle down and marry a rich man. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. Hello and welcome to another episode of Meet, Pay, Love, where we talk all things money and relationships, because the most important financial decision you will ever make is who you choose to spend the rest of your life with. My name is Carmel, and as always, I'm joined by my younger sister, Zoe. We'd like to start off by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land in which you are recording and listening to this podcast on today. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. So today we're going to shake things up a bit and have a bit more of a lighthearted show and we're going to be discussing dating apps, whether you pay for them, who pays on the first date, all things first dating, we even talk a little bit about love bombing. That we do because it's funny, I've never really been on a dating app and I'm not sure if it's the same for you but I reckon the first and only time I've been on a dating app was when it first came out and my friends and I went on it more as a laugh I've never actually been on it to find a partner I always did that organically what about you yeah I think I was on them this is before hinge I think it was around the time when it was just tinder and then bumble was a thing so it was around the when bumble was first a thing in Melbourne um and yeah I was on it but I didn't really use it to be honest and then I ended up meeting Pete my partner like in the wild in real life so but a bit of fun why not yeah, well, it seems really fun, and I've always liked to use my friends' dating apps, which I'm not sure if that's, like, disrespectful, but I really like to just jump on. <laughs> I love swiping everyone. I love swiping. <laughs> I love the the naughtiness of it. So would you ever pay for a dating app, do you reckon? Nah. I've met too many people organically pay for it but then again I have subscriptions to other stuff that I use so maybe maybe I'd fall into it well I think I wouldn't just purely because I'm a bit of a tight ass in that sense yeah that makes sense not because you I are tied up <laughs> <laughs> thanks though anyway so now we're going to throw to a guest who we've interviewed on the show we're shaking up our format a little bit and we're speaking to Dave Dave is a 25 year old lawyer who works in Melbourne and he plays basketball on the weekends. Let's throw to Dave now. So Dave, are you single? I am very single. Uh, coronavirus has not been kind to the dating life, unfortunately. And are you on apps? I am on a few. I sort of come and go from setting up accounts, deleting them, uh, and going back to uh, that sort of world of aspirational dating. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on them. Hinge, Bumble, and Tinder. So you're accessible all over the place. Do you have a favourite? I think Hinge is, I like to think, the more classier dating app. (laughs) I think Tinder has that sort of bad rap when it first came out. And Hinge is good because you can sort of, uh, you've got more prompts and you can sort of interact with people in a lot more different ways. Yeah, it feels more personal. Yes, Um, especially like, I think just liking a photo on Tinder is not the same as sort of a hinge where you can actually add your own comment and sort of get your personality across. And have you ever paid for a dating app? I have. I think when I went overseas for a few months, I was like, oh, I'll get um, Tinder Gold, I think it was called at the time. And I thought, you know, I'll also probably buy that a month earlier than I needed to. I wanted to use it for like 
that passport system where you could sort of drop your location in another country. <laughs> you were getting ready for your trip. Yeah. Just lining up a few dates. In hindsight, probably the worst amount of money I've ever spent in my life because uh, nothing eventuated. <laughs> is it subscription-based or is it like a one-off payment? Uh, there's a mixture of things you can do. You can buy like the premium feature or you can like they send you offers for like super likes and boosts. I, I find it like predatory pricing. Like they sort of know when you're like at your most vulnerable and saddest and, fit, and that's when they send you the 50% discount for a limited time only. That's my experience anyway. That's how I feel. It's like uh, Instagram ads. They, they target you and they know you're losing engagement with the app. Yeah. Oh, I work in marketing, so I know exactly how they're targeting you. Yeah. Well, they got me. <laughs> and you obviously don't pay for it now, so you found that it didn't really work out for you? Well, I recently... I was like, oh, I've got to give this Bumble thing a bit more of a boost. So I bought like a week boost on Bumble. I think it's back in the day when Tinder first came out on Bumble, you could swipe, um, you know, unlimitedly. And it's just frustrating because you, you just sit there uh, on the couch, miserable, and go and swipe, 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 hit the end of the road, but you don't feel satisfied enough. So that's when I bought a boost recently and nothing happened. So again another 10 bucks out of my bank account for nothing surely with covid as well when everyone's stuck at home you'd be using it a lot and that's when they get you well that's what i thought but i spent most of my time in covid sort of in the country living with my parents so i wasn't really keen on doing the whole uh social dating apps in my little small town because i think after about three swipes i was already out of uh, potential matches um but definitely in melbourne i don't know i think everyone's sort of over the idea of, I, I don't personally, me and my mates, like not many people are on dating apps anymore. I think people just really want to get back into actual real life dating, but I feel like it's been so, so long since we've done that, that, you know, people still not really sure how to go about it. So when you say, so you've said that you're using dating apps less and less and you're mm. more meeting people out. Have you met someone out recently? I was lucky enough to find someone recently on the weekend at the Dirty Swan in Richmond. Um, but yes, I was lucky enough to find someone uh, willing enough to come back uh, to my house. Did any money get used at all in the process? <laughs> no, I'm not, that's a good... No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you paid her, but what I'm saying is... Bloody did hell. you... <laughs> did you pay for drinks did you buy oh her a coffee in the morning did you I, pay for I a dating actually, app to meet her do you know what i mean like did money yeah. get involved yeah no i am a good country boy at heart so i paid for the uber to my house in richmond which is probably like a kilometer away um but no also coffee in the morning i think that's sort of the least you could do and so now just moving generally to you and your dating life what's your go-to on a first date in terms of paying do you like to pay for the bill do you offer to pay but hope that they pay what's your vibe what's my vibe it's uh i think you go in there with the intention of paying and i think it's just sort of those gender norms that have been instilled in me as a country lad again i just um I think it leaves a good impression, especially when you watch those shows, um, first dates. It's always that, like you just want to avoid that awkward situation you see where the guy doesn't offer to pay and the woman just absolutely barrels him off screen. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, I think 
it's got to be a bit more of a, I think on the second day or third day, you know, it's, it's nice to sort of pay for something, you know, one couple of rounds back and forth. So Dave, what are some red flags that you would consider from the opposite angle? So a dude coming into it, dating girls, do you have any financial red flags? Like if a girl just never offered to pay, would that annoy you? I think when, uh, your partner or your potential partner is willing to, you know, shout you uh, a few drinks or even pay for the meal. It shows that they're probably a lot more interested than they otherwise uh, might seem if, you know, it's always all just take, take, take. How do you feel about splitting the bill? I don't... Nah, splitting's a bit weird. I think it's... I think, you know, if, if you're going to go on a date, I think, you know, you sort of... you pa- If you can, I think the best option is, you know, have a few drinks early and sort of pay as you go. You get one round, I'll get the next. And then, you know, if you have dinner, then um, splitting just has that. It's just an awkward. I think a more fun game is sort of, you know, getting the waiter involved, you know, put, putting two credit cards in a hat sort of thing, like making a bit of fun who's going to pay. I think that really livens up the situation. <laughs> Zoe and I are both anti-splitting, so good answer. Yeah. I hate it. I think it's awkward and embarrassing and I don't want to do it. I'd rather pay. Yeah. No, and, you know. I always go, I always say, like, I'll pay for dinner. You just get the gelato on the way home. Thanks so much, Dave, for allowing us to interview you and ask you some prying questions and being so open with your answers. So, Zoe, do you reckon that dating apps were more popular in Australia due to the coronavirus? Definitely. I feel like people were bored at home and so they had to jump on it. Yeah, and that is true. According to Hinge, 70% of its users would be interested in going on a virtual date outside of the app based on a recent poll. And Hinge is also reporting a 30% increase in the number of messages being exchanged between users during the coronavirus. Honestly, I'm not surprised by that. I think if I was single during coronavirus, I would have jumped on the apps a lot more. Definitely. And what age group do you think is the most popular on dating apps? I'd say 25 to 35. You're exactly correct. 25 to 35 covers over 40% of the age group of people on dating apps with the next largest group to be 35 to 45. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And what do you think about gender? I'd say I don't want to skew it more to men. How much percentage to men? Say 60 men, no. Go with your gut. 60 men, 40 women. Close, 76% male and 24% female. Bejeebas. I know. And overall there's 1.7 million Australians using online dating apps at present and the revenue in this sector is expected to grow from 35 million, which was in 2020, to 51 million by... 2024 so it's a huge industry now we're going to shoot across to get the different side of the story we're hearing from a female her name is georgia and she has a unique perspective because she runs her own podcast called the dates podcast and she hears all about dates hello i'm not sure if that's too much of a uh, expert opinion but i've heard a lot of dates been on a lot of dates can talk about dates for sure have you ever paid for a dating app before I have not. I mean, they're hard work. They are a lot of time and effort. So I feel like I definitely know a lot of people that have, I guess, paid for them and being like, it cuts out half the time. Makes it easy. Well, then you just have your matches appear, the ones that have already matched with you. So you're just filtering through and, I guess, selecting if you want that partner or not. So 
I feel I don't like know. money be the well same. spent. Yeah, it's, it'd be the same, but you just have more access to like different people. See, your matches would are only the ones that have already said yes to you. So you know that if you said yes, then you can start up a conversation. All right, well, there you go. How do you feel about splitting the bill? Mm-hmm. I feel like in talking to a lot of people on the dates, this is the ideal scenario, in my opinion. You're going for drinks. You pay for a round. They pay for a round. If you're getting to a third round, it's a good date. And by then, you know, then you can just start feeling it out. And you're probably pretty drunk by then as well, so. <laughs> feeling more things out. <laughs> I don't know. You're seeing if the date's carrying on to something more formal like dinner or an activity or keeping the night going. So that is what I love to do. I love just to split a round or two. I feel like that's a really easy way to negotiate it. Because I don't know. I, I mean, my experience, I'm, yeah, female, heterosexual, and the classic dating of a guy, I feel like there still is that pressure that they feel like they need to pay for a date. I've definitely been on dates and at the end, they're like, no, 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 I've got this. And as well in my head, I'm kind of like arrogantly thinking like, I I probably earn more than you. I (laughs) (laughs) I, I really, I really, I really probably would. I feel like I've probably got like two free dates. And the first one was like a full dinner date. And the guy was like, you can grab the next one, which to be fair, I was like, oh, that's a little play. But he was the one who cancelled and we didn't. He's all legit on the second one. <laughs> yeah. And then the other guy who paid for a date. Yeah, these are the, I've only like, and I've been on a lot of dates without. <laughs> only other guy who paid for a date he was again really like I want to pay and I was like oh, sure whatever again he was like you grab the next one which I'm like now I've learned this maybe is a bit of a classic line to get a second date but that was pre the Rona and then a little panini date and we went for a walk and I bought us two coffees so really came out out not on top there but but if a guy were to be like let's split this one What's your reaction? To preface this... Oh, I this, feel like I am trying to split the bill. Like, I feel weird if there's a presumption that they're paying. I'm like, it's 2021. Come on. See, I I hate splitting the bill. I do not really? like that awkwardness. But I would more than happily pay for the whole thing. Like, I'll be like, I'll pay for this one. You get the next one. But, like, yeah. the awkwardness would be like, do we split by, like, what we had? Is it a 50-50? What oh, if I drank more? Oh, okay, okay. I see the nuances here. I feel like what you're talking about is in beautiful relationship territory. I feel like that is a lovely, safe place where you know multiple dates are occurring. But in this dating game of, like, date one or two, I feel like there's that awkward energy between parties and I, I don't know, I just really like a split bill because I think it's just like fair, even, you're both coming to the party. Also, dating should be fun and you shouldn't ever feel like you owe someone something. And I think that money sometimes has a little bit of that pressure on people. So I'm very much about the split bill. Um, but I feel like in my experience, or particularly say like hetero dating, I feel like there's been a lot of presumptions that the guy's like, I should pay. And I'm just like, mm come on why do we feel like we need to feel like that we don't (laughs) okay so you're saying i'm coming from the luxury of being in a long-term relationship the absolute liberties that you can take (laughs) (laughs) i was was thinking about it's gonna be awkward anyway let's just split the bill because it's already awkward i was thinking about this earlier well i before have gone into a date and i was absolutely smitten by this guy and he'd asked me out for dinner 
and I was like, I'm, I'm stressed about a dinner already. That's, that's a long date and it's an expensive date too. We went to a really nice restaurant um, and I did, when I look back now, as a strategy, if you will, of bringing cash with me <laughs> <laughs> because I knew we'd get to the end of the date and he would whip out his card and then I would feel uncomfortable. So I just bought cash and then like kind of like forced him to have like cash and he was like oh, did okay. the sneaky of like putting it back on him being like well there's the cash i don't know you anything we're all done literally if we wanted this this is square now literally and i've never had obviously never had a guy do that like i've definitely again gone like shouted a first date super happy to yeah never had a guy whip out cash and be like no 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 so you said earlier that you don't want the guy to pay necessarily all the time or straight away or there to be an assumption that they pay because of the expectation that it might set up is that coming from a place where you've experienced that a guy has paid and then they've had an expectation or is that something that you think might happen? I think it's more an ego thing. I think that, I don't know, it almost gives them like a sense of bravado at the end of the day. And I think I like, I almost see it as almost, I guess, testing at that partner and seeing how they react because I think I've dated people in the past and yeah, they definitely get like a sense of bravado and a sense of like, hell yeah, um, you know, I'm this dude and I'm paying and how great am I? And I just am kind of like, oh, let's let's bring those egos down a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's maybe what, what, what frustrates me the most rather, I guess, than maybe the word expectation, I guess, where that's maybe like alluding to, to something else. But for me, it's, I guess, yeah, a lot of ego that I'm just, I don't know, I don't think we need to have. The instances in which I am happy and more than happy for a guy to pay or vice versa, I will strongly encourage myself is if that person has ever asked you out on a date, which is, I guess, quite indulgent and quite expensive. Like I've had a guy take me out on a, maybe it was like a first or second date to the theatre, right? I'm not going, I'm not going, sure, I'm going to pay half. <laughs> that time I don't even think I'd really gone to the theatre as an adult and I was like am I even gonna like this it was lame is and I was like uh. that is like my one small caveat in which I won't feel guilty or like have that worry or feel like we need to play a bit of a game with the financials I feel like if someone is ever asking you and they're blatantly wanting to take you on a super indulgent date that's maybe a little bit one-sided that's where I'll kind of leave my um I don't even know if it's morals at the door, but that's where I'll be like, okay, fine. <laughs> You're listening to Meet, Pay, Love, a podcast where we talk all things money and relationships. My name is Carmel, and as always, I'm joined by my sister Zoe. We're going to take a short break now to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Samantha Jane from The Husband Project. Now we're going to throw to an interview that we did with Samantha Jane. She's a leading dating coach, relationship expert, and matchmaker. Samantha is excited to come on the show to share her years of experience of her secret tips and techniques she's learned and tried in her personal life about how to find a husband. Samantha Jane runs The Husband Project. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Samantha. Why don't you start off by just telling us what is The Husband Project and how did you get into it? Good question, Carl. Um, so The Husband Project is something that I developed quite a few years ago. I've been um, in the industry for 15 years and I noticed that there was a pattern that successful professional women were wanting to meet an eligible man and they had no idea what to do and I have the secret formula to know how to identify the right man, how to 
ignite attraction, build that connection and get that ring on your finger. So one of my questions for you is, how much do you yourself consider finance in dating and how much do you encourage your clients to consider the financial position of someone that they're dating? It's a really bit of, it's a bit of an icky question because, you know, in romance novels, it's not about the money and, and you should just love the person for who they are. And, and yes, of course. But when it comes to money, money is actually a big factor in compatibility and values in a relationship. So I developed a compatibility test many years ago and money. I worked with a leading relationship psychologist and money was a big factor because let's face it, it comes down to the types of holidays you go on, the types of lifestyle that you have, how much you like to go out, how much you like to spend, where you want to live, like all these factors, how you bring up your children if you do that. So money's a big factor. And even when going on a date with somebody who pays, it's a touchy subject, but it's really important to consider because if you are very financially savvy and you're with somebody who's a spendthrift, it's going to end in tears and you won't be a team. And it's all about being a team, building a future that you want to create. What's your personal okay. stance on splitting yeah. bills on the first date? Oh, gosh. Like, this is this is a topic I hear all the time. Look, it is so nice to, even though you've got equal fries, it just feels so good when the man pick up, picks up the check and you feel really looked after and maybe you can go out and buy the ice cream or a drink afterwards or whatever it is, contribute in that way. Um, but at the same time, there are some really great men that are out there and they some of them don't actually pay on the first day and they're still really great men. Why? Because some of them just don't know that women like that. Um, a lot of women out there are also like, you know what? I don't want him to pay because if I, if he pays then he's going to expect something and that's not the case. So it's all similar beliefs. Um, but do you have any like funny or horror stories of like people have gone on bad first dates? Like for your clients, surely they've had a few like bad first date experiences with like, paying all the money can you think of any off the top of your head if they're yes i have the worst actually and that's why this motivated this amazing woman to come and see me because she was on a date with this guy and he was ordering up big he was ordering up the bottles of champagne all the food and she's thinking wow this guy is really generous she went to the bathroom came back and he was gone so the poor woman was stuck with the bill and she was just like, I can't believe this happened to me. Anyway, he was a bit of a con artist, obviously, and he was known for that. You can normally detect that type of behaviour in a person before you actually get on the date. But, yeah, that would have to be probably the worst. I can't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I would be so mad. Like, I don't even know how you'd contact him. Like, would you chase him up after that? Like, what's your next steps? He blocked her. He just disappeared. What kind of tips do you give your clients in terms of how they can vet people that they might be dating or how they can avoid those kind of situations? So traditionally, we don't know how to date because nobody teaches you. So you look at your parents and your friends and family and movies and you're like, oh, this is how I feel around him. So what I do is I give you a formula. So I give you an actual strategy to follow. So it's four types of men. And you've got the alpha, you've got the charmer, you've got the intellect and the guy next door. Now, each of those, it's using behavioral profiling and archetypes. So each of those men have specific values. 
So if you're going with an alpha charmer, he's going to chase you so much until he gets you. And then when he's got you, he'll look for the next shiny thing. He's going to look for the next best thing because he gets bored easily. He's your typical James Bond. You know, he's always around pretty women who successful women think I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that actually gets him to commit and you won't be. <laughs> Even if it's a short term, I made that mistake myself, you know, thought he could commit, but in the end he was having a double lap. So they're the ones to avoid. Um, then you've got the um, alpha intellect, which most women love because you think he's so intelligent, he's so masculine. The problem with him, he has no empathy. So he will be very avoidant. So he'll chase you when he feels as though at risk, he starts to self-sabotage. Um, then you've got the, the guy next door, which is the one that women go, he's the nice guy. He's really stable, but too much guy next door. He's not driven and he's boring. So you want to have a guy next door with some alpha or some guy next door with some intellect because that means he has that masculinity, but he also has the heart and he wants family and he wants commitment. The guy next door charmer, like I can give you all this, is great. Guy next door charmer is the guy that's just going to ride on your coattails and you'll be really unattracted to him. He'll be like one of the girlfriends because he'll be really feminine. Um, so you look at a strategy, you look at, all right, so what type of man is he? And then that takes away the emotion. You look at him from, in terms of, all right, if he's this particular type, then projecting forward, this is the type of relationship I'll have. Is that the type of relationship I want? And if he doesn't provide that, then continue on. Be really focused on the type of man that you want. And then build that emotion. Once you've got him, date a few. Build that emotional connection using feminine energy and away you go, you're sorted. I'm just trying to understand a little bit more about the husband project because I did do a bit of research behind it. When do you kind of sort of encourage people to come and see you for your expertise? And then when do you think it's kind of like, we've done it, we've found the perfect match? Go off into the world on your own. So when somebody comes and sees me, they're normally at the end of their tether. They're like, all right, I'm over it. I've been online dating for years. It's not working. I'm not being the right man. Or I've been in a relationship and the men don't want to commit. What do I do? And so I basically, from the beginning, I'm very focused on how do we get the results quickly? So we work on the type of relationship they want, whether it's marriage, children, long-term, or getting their existing partner to commit or find somebody new. So we work on, while we work on the end game, which is that relationship, during that time, I offer the opportunity to help break any limiting beliefs, any patterns, so they feel really confident. I get them to expand their network. So what we do then is give them opportunities to speak to highly compatible people, men or women, who will actually enrich their life. And then they can think, all right, well, I'd be happy with either one of these. So what I do is I give them a full strategy. So we work at the type of relationship they want, whether it's long-term marriage, a family, whether it's getting that partner they're with to commit or just getting out there and meeting more people. So we work on outcome and then what we work backwards and, we, and I look at patterns, uh, any self-sabotage, and I give them strategies to help them move forward with a plan and during that time when they're moving forward with that plan i'm actually helping them feel really confident and also at the same time helping them meet more people and then realizing what they have to offer and realizing opportunities out there and then we narrow it down to say three people and then from those three there's normally the one and normally within say four to six weeks they're really in a beautiful pretty solid relationship that's going somewhere. And then by the three month mark is 
normally happy days. They're like, all right, things are solid. Um, things are going really well. Um, but what I do is I also have online programs that they can listen to. So it reinforces everything that we've learned. So it's really fast tracking that results because everyone wants to meet someone quickly. It's, we live in a world where you can just literally swipe through thousands of people and most people go, well, it's not working. And the reason it's not working is because you don't know how to use it. Whereas if you know how to use the platforms, they work. Um, my question is, because I've never actually really used the dating apps because they came out when I was a bit younger. I think I was on it like at 15 and I was like, hey, this is fun. But um, I've been with my partner for a few years now and I've just wondered, paying for dating apps, I know that some of them have the ability to pay for it. Do you think it's worth paying for them? Do you think you get a better result out of paying for dating apps or is it more just like it's a bit of a hack? Well, really it comes down to the types of dating apps. Some of them don't have the opportunity to um, offer the free service. So I always recommend jumping on, try the free version and if you're finding that it's whatever out of the three, work out the best one and then eliminate the one that's not working and then try others. And you'll, you will know whether subscription's working for you or the free version. Sometimes it doesn't really matter whether you've paid or not paid. Um, but what matters most is who is on those apps in your area. So some apps work really well in Sydney, but terrible in Melbourne. It just, it's like going to the local like pub, the popular pub, you know? So you've got to look at where is everyone that's eligible in your area. They're out there, but it, yeah, you have to go out there and find it. And that's the beauty of it. You, you can be proactive. And you said earlier, you gave us an example of a pretty extreme bad financial situation where one of your clients was essentially scammed. Are there any smaller, less obvious red flags that people can look out for in the initial stages of dating um, that they might be either being taken advantage of or that they might just not be financially compatible? Yes, definitely. So early stages of dating, especially with those toxic types of people, they will come in and they will shower you with gifts and tell you everything you want to hear and you'll be thinking this person's amazing but you need to take a step back and listen to what they're saying about their exes you need to look at how much credit they're living on you need to look at whether they their lifestyle matches up with their occupation and um you know, just, just use a bit of gut feel as well. But look around when you're going to their home, what's that like? What are they, are they financially responsible or are they irresponsible? Because it's nice to be showered with gifts, but that could just be a love bombing strategy. Are you comfortable with that? Um, somebody that completely spends everything. Say there was a, um, an example is one of my clients is seeing this financial advisor and he was lovely at first. And she thought being a financial advisor, he was like really set with his money. And most of them are, but this particular person wasn't. Like he went and bought himself some glasses, like, you know, $500 sunnies. And then she was there and he bought her those sunnies. And then he was buying her holidays and buying her all these things. And she thought, wow, this guy is really earning stacks. But then she went to his home and it was all, he was in a pretty ordinary place. Hang on a minute, all this Prada Gucci stuff is the show and then she still didn't look at that and then she eventually started a relationship with him and then she realized he was just a walking credit card a bucket of debt 
and then you know she had a home and he pressured her to buy a house together and sell the house she had because that was her house with her ex-partner and he wasn't comfortable with that but really he just wanted to get his fingers on it and and so you need to look at those red flags early on like if someone's really a spendthrift i mean do they have the capacity to spend or are they just trying to love bomb you and like show you oh look look at all these gifts i'm buying you so you mentioned the phrase love bombing before what do you mean by that? Because that's actually the first time I've heard it. Like, I think I kind of get it. But what do you what do you think is constitutes love bombing? And like, what are the kind of the signs of love bombing? I've heard of love bombing, but I would really like to get Samantha's definition. So, yeah, yeah. good question. Good question. Narcissist love bomb. And love bombing feels so good because as soon as you meet this man sweeps on in on his horse, he solves all your problems. He captivates you with his charm. He takes away all your attention. He showers you with these incredible gifts and you've never felt so good and you're wondering where did this man come from? And all of a sudden, he becomes your life. And then slowly you start to see less of your friends and less of your family and you become more and more isolated. And when you're in love with him, that's when the bomb goes off and he starts to pull away and then he starts to tell you what's wrong with you. So the love bombing is a strategy that narcissists use to captivate you, to emotionally draw you in. And if you are not aware of it, you can get caught. Whereas if you're aware of it, and when you're dating, you need to just stay grounded and just go, look, this guy's really amazing. I love what he's doing, but let me just see how things go for the next, you know, three, six, 12 months. Let me just see. He won't sustain it. And so with your clients, do they come to you? I mean, they may come to you at any stage in this situation, wouldn't they? Do you really say, look, I think this is what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of people come to know that because they've, they've experienced narcissism. They've experienced abuse. They're very intelligent people. And you can be, you can be smart, you can be savvy, but you can still be on the receiving and cohesive coercion. Like I, I've been there myself. And that's also where I've really been motivated to go, all right, this is, this is it. This, I need to show people out there what happens. So yeah, you can be at any stage and it can happen. What kind of advice would you give yourself now that you're in a happy relationship? What kind of advice would you have given yourself back then when you were either like experiencing maybe some sort of like uh, abuse or like physical, mental, financial abuse, or like just only trying to find a man as well. It doesn't have to be any of that. Just to, trying to find a partner. What's your big sort of advice that you want to give to everyone else? Like your general takeaway. Just make sure you are your best version. Fix yourself before you get somebody else to try to fix you. And then also just just don't let anyone suffocate your attention. Take the time to actually look at that person. I've met them. I want to step away. How do I feel? Are our values aligned? Could this be going to where I want to be? Like slow things down a little. Thank you so much, Samantha, for telling us all about what you do in the Husband Project and a few little tips and tricks that we can take into place to really find the perfect person to spend the rest of our lives with. My big takeaway from that is to know what your objective is before going into any relationship. When I was studying communications, we had this one thing, this one like absolute God rule, and it was know what you want out of the sentence. And that's what you should be putting into like everything in life. Like you just don't speak for the hell of it and you shouldn't just date for the hell of it. Well, for me, the main thing that I took away was be in a position where you're your best self and you're most comfortable in yourself. Because if you're going out there feeling um, like 
questioning your self-worth or things like that, then you are probably going to find someone that doesn't, that doesn't really appreciate you and treat you as well as you deserve to be treated. So go in with the right mindset. Yeah. It's all about knowing your self-worth. I really, really think it's so important to listen to how a guy that you first dated or a girl that you're dating talks about their exes or talks about other women in their life. And if they're talking badly about their ex, like, oh, my ex was crazy or like they did this and that, then I would just be considering how they might then speak about you in the future. Yeah, well, I think that's just a lesson in overall life. If someone's talking poorly about another person, that's more of a reflection on them than it is on you. If you've got, if you're dating someone and they're telling you about how much they hate their ex, I don't think I think that's a huge red flag. That's not something you want to go around with every single day. Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Meet, Pay, Love. We hope that you've enjoyed the shake-up in the format. Please send us an email at mpl at equitymates.com and let us know. We've changed our emails. We used to be Zoe or Carmel at equitymates.com, but now we're together in one email address, mpl at equitymates.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Meet, Pay, Love. And tell us what you think. Did you like the more... Uh, casual and lighthearted episode. Did you like more of an interview style with our everyday person? Please get in touch with us as we love to hear your feedback. Meet Pay Love is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Meet Pay Love are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Meet Pay Love acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.